Good morning. Woo. Um, last night, I went to see Peter and the Starcatcher, and, uh, and it rocked. Uh, let me just say, I, I got home, and Margaret said, well, how was it? And I said, it was really good. She said, uh, so I'm going to like it. When I go on Thursday, oh, yeah, you're going to like it. And, uh, you know, I might even, we might even try to come back again next week. I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, I encourage you. You got three more shots Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. It's not in here. It's up in the black box. So the seating is limited. And I would kind of encourage you to go ahead and get your tickets for that. Uh, anyway, would you stand with me this morning? And let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power that are in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon every person here so that we might hear not just with our natural ears, but Lord, that we would, we would hear with the ears of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Salvation is, um, is really a, a twofold thing. It's individual. Uh, salvation is an individual thing. No one can get, no one can be saved for you. You, know, you, you. you can't stand before God and go, well, you know, my grandmother was a really good Christian. And I thought that had me covered. Uh, well, it doesn't have you covered, even if it's your mother or even if it's your daddy. Uh, it's, not the, it's not my mother nor my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of salvation. Yeah. Uh, but it's while it is an individual thing, it, it's also a corporate thing. Whenever, whenever you are, whenever you are saved, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. No, no exceptions. Hopefully, over the last uh, couple of weeks, that that's kind of been that's kind of been drilled in. And you are gifted. You're you're, you're given a a gift, a talent, a bag of gold, as we talked about last week. To uh, uh, that, that you're supposed to do something with, that you bring to the body. Now, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how, how young and handsome and woo. Uh, your, your role in the body is not to be a showpiece. Your role in the body is to actually do something. Do something. God, God, has, God has gifted you in, in a way that, uh, that the body needs. And you may go, well, okay, I'm, I'm, God, God's given me the ability to sing and, and worship. And, you know, and I sing and I, and I worship, but, you know, Will can do it a lot better, or Johnny can do it a lot better, or somebody else can do it a lot better, so, you know, the body really doesn't need me. No, no. I, 
choirs. Uh, we don't have a choir, but, well, we do have a choir. You're it. <laughs> but uh, choirs are, are wonderful things. I mean, they, they can bring some, some dynamics and some power and that just absolutely stir your soul. But if one of the guys standing in the choir is going, you know what? I'm a tenor, but I'm not the best tenor, so I'm not singing. And if the only the best tenor sings and only the best bass and only the best soprano and only the best alto, you don't have a choir. you got a quartet, and that's okay, but it's not what a choir is. So God, God has given you a gift to bring to, to the body and, 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 and to use. Uh, if you woke up tomorrow morning and one of the parts of your body wasn't working anymore, you would be concerned. I mean, you know, if you woke up tomorrow morning and it was like, you wouldn't just go, oh, well. (laughs) Something is going on here and we need to get this thing fixed. You know, if you woke up and you couldn't see out of one of your eyes, you go, "I'm, I'm call somebody who can do something about this. And yet... You're a part of the body of Christ, and if it's not working, you ought to be concerned. God God is concerned. Now, the flip side of that is, not only does the body need you, but but you need the body. We, we read about this just a minute ago. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I, I don't need you. Can this be any more clear? I, I mean, really, you whatever part you are, you can't say to any other part... I don't need you. Now, uh, I've been a pastor for, um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it sounded like love, <laughs> yeah, long time, uh, actually 35 years ago was when I first went in the ministry, but 29 years I've been a senior pastor and been here, uh, and one of the things that I have professionally observed is that um, sometimes some people are a problem. Now, I don't know if anybody else sees that in any other field of endeavor, but occasionally I, I discover that sometimes people are a problem. Does that mean I don't need them? <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, one of the things that I have discovered is usually the reason why they're a problem is they're trying to be something that they weren't called to be. You know, I mean, some, something looks better than what I'm doing now. But I, w- I want to do what he's doing. I want to I do what she's doing. I haven't run into anybody yet who has gone... You know, I'm just really upset because I really want to work in the nursery, but nobody will let me. I've run into plenty of people who've gone, when do I get to preach? When do I get on the worship team? But I haven't run into anybody yet who's gone, when can I serve these kids? And so, you know, you kind of, you, you get that dynamic going on and it, and it, gets, a, it gets a little strange. When I was a kid, People used to all the time ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I don't know if they ask that too much anymore. Uh, I've tried to avoid asking it because I got sick of it. In fact, I, I, remember, I remember when I was uh, 12, a guy asking me that question. And I was just so, uh, 
okay, I was a little bit of a smart aleck, all right? But this guy was asking me that question, and I said, he said, what you want to be when you grow up, boy? And I said, a bum. And he goes, I'm going to tell your daddy. And I don't know if he ever did or not, but I just, you know, I'm 12 years old. Give me a break. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up yet. But when I was seven, I knew. I wanted to be a major league baseball player. I was seven years old. Why not? I mean, get paid money to play baseball? Now, I was also young enough that I didn't really understand all the ramifications there. I didn't understand that I might not want to play 162 times a year, not to mention all of the um, training and things that go into it. And I I didn't understand that I might not want to spend 81 days a a year on the road and and really more than that, because that'd be how many games you'd play, away from family and it might get old, you know, living out of hotels and things like that. I didn't understand those things, and I didn't even understand that I might not have the talent to play Major League Baseball. I just knew that that's what I wanted to do because that just looked like so much fun, and that's because I was immature. A sign of maturity in our lives comes where we begin to understand who we really are and what we've really been called to do and what we really can do, what what. What, what we're capable of doing in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, a hand insisting on being an eye can kind of can get there. You know, I mean, you know, it can't visualize something, but it can go, oh, there, you know, there is something there, and it kind of feels like that. Yeah. But an ear trying to be a foot, that's a, that's a tragedy. That's, that's just something that's not going to happen. And, and oftentimes what what what'll happen in the body of Christ is we'll see something that you know looks looks pretty good and we can kind of do it and that's you know that's really where we want to go and God's going I, I want you here you go, oh but that really how I many do you know the grass does look greener on the other side but it isn't really you know you get on the other side and you find out they got rocks in their yard too they got they got weeds in their yard too they got they got things going on that that you didn't know about. Uh, but these outliers, the, 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 one, the people who are, who are problems, do not change the fact that you need them. You are not the whole package. I mean, whether, you, whether you're a, a, a teacher, a, a greeter, a, a, a pastor, an apostle for crying out, you are not the whole package. You, you, need, you need others. In your life, and that's that's what he's saying here. Uniformity. We like uniformity. Uniformity can can appear to be a strength, but ultimately it's got it's got a fatal flaw. And the fatal flaw is that it gets so it gets so myopic, it gets so nearsighted, it gets so tunnel vision that it that it it loses sight of really what's going on and really what needs to be done. All of the all of the uh, movements of the world that have kind of become that way, that have insisted on on uniformity. I mean, from uh, from from the Chinese Cultural Revolution to uh, to South African apartheid, from uh, North Korea to to Nazism, uh, all of those kind of things. From um, you know Joe Joe McCarthy to uh, to Jim Crow. All, all those that have insisted on uniformity have had have had this flaw. 
because they're, they're not able to see anything beyond. They, they don't deal with anybody outside of who agrees with them. And because they don't deal with anybody outside, they're, they're not exposed to, to any other ideas, to any other, to any other thoughts, and they come into serious error. There's only been one exception, and that was the time when God told Israel when they went into the, to the land of Canaan to stay separate from those nations, and it was because they, he needed to preserve their national identity so that Messiah could come forth. Even then, there were some exceptions. But, I mean, Ruth, the Moabitess, and uh, uh, Rahab, who lived in Jericho. But once Messiah came forth, even that was no longer necessarily uh, something that was required. Uh, this is what it says over in Revelations. This is, this is what Revelation says. says Talking about being around the throne of God, they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then, uh, and then a, a few chapters later, uh, it has a, a great throng wearing white robes. And it says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they, and they had palm branches in their hands because, because they, had, they had overcome, because they were victorious. Yet we tend to, to gather together in our little enclaves, and, and we, don't, we, don't, we may not put a sign up that goes, you know, you got to be this to come. To, to be a part of us, to be here. And yet, even though the sign isn't up, you know, this is the serious group. This is the happy group. You know, this is the intellectual group. This is the emotional group. You know, this is the young group. This is the old group. This is this, this is that. Ay, ay, ay. That's not the kingdom of... Is that Spanish? Did, did I just speak Spanish? I, I don't know. <laughs> Gilbert did I yeah okay good I did ha. all right uh, I grew up in a church culture that was very anti-intellectual um, we didn't trust I mean seminary was a dirty word where I was growing up we we didn't trust these people who read too much think too much in fact I I, I, I actually remembered it wasn't my dad oh. Praise God. I love my dad. But he had some speakers come. Uh, I remember one in particular who come and, was, uh, and spent about half the sermon talking about can't trust people who say God. I went, really? You know, and at the time, you know, I, I don't know, I was, I, was, I, was, I was a kid. I was young, and I was going, well, I guess you can't trust people who say God. Yeah. Uh, of course, they're the kind of people who translated the Bible for us. We trusted them to do that. I guess we can't trust them to be, you know, like real Christians or something. I, I love Springhouse. Let me tell you some of the reasons why I love Springhouse. I love it because we have people here who are not and will never be, I guess until glory, demonstrative in worship. And still they come. I love it that we have people who are who are never going to go, woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pointing at your husband, <laughs> but I've seen his hands up before. 
Yeah. I mean, but beyond here. I've seen them like all the way up. Yeah. But we have people that that's never going to happen. And that's, you know, and I used to think, I used to think, well, they're just not worshiping. Come on, get with the play. But now that I've gotten older and begin to understand people a little better, I, I think most of them are probably, they're, they're taking it in big time. You know? And, and God's real and strong there. This just didn't how they're wired. It's not how they do it. I also love Springhouse because we have people, we have a lot of people who could give a flip about theater. You know, we got a theater. Uh, I'll talk to pastors from other churches sometimes, and they'll they'll go, well, you know, I, I can see how, of course you're successful with a theater. You got that built-in audience that'll, that'll come out. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably about 10, 15% of our audience comes from this church. And, you know, and, and some of you come, and I'm grateful for every one of you who come, but I'm also grateful for every one of you who don't come. Because you're still here. Because you kind of go, you know, just because that's the kind of church that is, uh, doesn't mean I need to go somewhere else. I need to be where God puts me. That's, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate that. I love the mix that we have of, of left and, and right wingers. And, if you, and we do. We have them. And if you don't believe me, you know, just, uh, just, just go on Facebook. But don't do that. Believe me. I, I would prefer that you actually believe me. Because Facebook is a dangerous place to be. I, uh, in in uh, Tuesday morning Bible study in the gate, we've been doing a, a Bible survey, and we were in Second uh, Timothy last week and came across the verse, have nothing to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they only cause quarrels. And so I started putting that at, at you know, that's now my tagline on my, on my emails, but I thought, wow, that ought to be a pop-up at the beginning anytime a Christian opens Facebook. Have nothing to do with foolish and stupid arguments. You're just going to start a quarrel. So you're going to, but but we got them. We got them here. You know, we we got we got people who who have varying and wide opinions about things, and that's great because there's one thing they all agree on: Jesus Christ is Lord, and He is the Master in my life, and that's what binds them together. That's what that's what creates the fellowship, and that's what that's what ought to do it. From corporate to individual. See, just as organizations that don't need others as a part of them, just as that's out of whack. So an individual that doesn't need others is missing God's will for their life. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He's put you in a body. When you got saved, he didn't go, oh, you're the exception. You're not the one we're putting in the body. No, he's put you in the body, every one, just as he wanted them to be. That sounds like his will. And those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I love that he, I love that word. He, uh, he didn't say those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually stronger than you think. No, no. He said they're indispensable. So it's got nothing to do with weak and strong. 
says you cannot do without them. Uh, we've been talking about small groups and uh, assuming that there isn't a real reason why you could be involved in one, and there can be real reasons. You know, I mean, your schedule and and the way the groups end up meeting and all might preclude you being able to be a part of one. But assuming that there isn't a real reason, uh, I, I've I've thought of three reasons that probably would be the main thing and that I'd like to address. And the first one is this. I'm too lazy. Well, all righty then. I can't argue with that. There's, there's, you know, there's no way that you can argue with that. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard some things over the years. I, I, when I first came here, we had a, <clears throat> we had a, a church board. And I remember one of the brothers on the board, um, I went to him, I don't know, a month or so after, after I'd come, and I said, you know, I really feel like we need, to, we need to tithe as a church. We need to start giving 10% of everything that comes, comes in in our general fund. We need to give out to other ministries and, uh, you know, other needs that are outside of our body. And, uh, and I still remember this brother going, yes, pastor, I agree with you. I think we should. We ought to tithe. We'll, we ought to tithe to ourselves. And I went, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm saying that we're supposed, we should take 10% and give that money, you know, to other ministries and other. Yeah, I agree. I'm absolutely in agreement. We should tithe to ourselves. And, uh, you know, before my brain exploded, uh, I, I realized, you know, this brother, I mean, I appreciate this brother because we were still at kind of the, you know, we're going to be able to pay the light bill this month phase at that point. And I think usually if we couldn't, he probably did. So I, I, I kind of know where, where he's coming from with that. But uh, how do you argue with that, with that? I mean, I totally agree with you, but I don't agree. Oh, we, um, Margaret also overheard... Uh, <laughs> boy, uh, some of our young people talking at one time, and, and, and one of them was saying, well, we need to get some more people in here. And the other one was going, oh, we don't need more people in here. We're a clique. <laughs> How do you argue with that? You know, And if you're too lazy, well, all righty. <laughs> there you go. Let's move on to something important. Uh, some people may feel like they don't need me, and we're not going to dwell on that because we've already, we've already talked about that. But let me just say, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the devil. Of course, of course they need you. Even if you feel like that you are weak and insignificant, Paul says you are indispensable. Exactly. And then the other one is... I don't need them. And that's a lie from the devil as well. Even the weaker parts are indispensable. Even those that you, that you wouldn't think you need, you need. Uh, what are the weaker parts? I, I, there have been a few times that I've gone through Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in Bible studies with people and and have posed that question when we come here. I go, okay, what's he talking about here when he says the weaker parts? And I don't know that I've ever gotten an answer from anybody, but I think I know what people probably think. They're just not going to say it. Uh, I know 
from some people's theology that they would say, oh, well, the weaker parts, that's women. I didn't say I agreed with them. I'm just saying. <laughs> but there are people who, who, who would think, and you know, and I'm just, really? Really? Half the churches that, that exist would not even be there. I mean, women started them, supported them, got them going, did all the work. See, one of the things I've discovered is men don't mind women doing the work. They don't mind women even leading. They just mind them having a title. Just ruminate on that one for a minute. God doesn't mind them having a title, though. Child of God's the only one that really matters. Speaking of, what are the weaker parts? Children? Really? I, I actually think women, uh, that children, women too, but children are the most important parts in the body of Christ. Because, uh, first of all, they're yours. And if God gave them to you, they were entrusted to you as the most precious gift you've got outside of your salvation and relationship with Jesus Christ. And and then secondly, they're the most fruitful mission evangelistic field that exists. You, you know, you go in and you and you share the gospel with 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 a grown up, with an adult. Um, you know, they'll they'll argue with you, or they, or they've got something else to do. They, uh, you don't don't bother me with this right now. You, you go and you, to a bunch of children and you say, Jesus loves you, and He died on the cross for you. And God raised him from the dead, and he would like to come into your heart so that you can live forever with him. Would you like to do that? Yes. They're smarter than we are sometimes. I mean, who would want to? And not only that, they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're part of the church of today. Uh, one other suggestion that I think probably some people would say, when you go, what are the weaker parts? I'd say the poor. Really? Do you, do you understand how God feels about the poor? Do you understand the, the place that they have in his heart? I'll tell you this, the poor give a lot more than the rich. If, you, if you're looking at dollars, maybe not, but that's not how heaven looks at it. If you look at the generosity of the heart, the willingness to give, the willingness to serve, they're indispensable, but they're not the weakest parts. I want to uh, share a little bit about uh, the longest running, maybe the longest, I think it is the longest continual running uh, small group that we've got at the church because it's been meeting for over eight years now. It meets on Tuesday mornings. Uh, men at the gate uh, meets at 6.30 and goes to 7.30. We have a little time of fellowship. We uh, have a time of prayer. Um, uh, sometimes we'll have a little worship. Uh, we'll do some Bible study. Uh, we'll pray for each other and uh, uh, and then at 7.30, those who don't have to go somewhere else, often they'll go to, go to breakfast with each other. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. And if you're, if you're available, would like to come, by all means come. 
But uh, the reason that, that I want to think about men at the gate was uh, we had a fellow in that group uh, named Josh Osborne. Uh, and Josh died three years ago. Uh, and a lot of you know about Josh, know Josh. Some of you, some of you don't. Josh was uh, a survivor of real severe child abuse, uh, extremely severe. And uh, because of the abuse that he suffered, he uh, had a lot of physical issues. Uh, a lot of a lot of things in his life were were arrested. He, he was not a very very big guy. Uh, small guy and uh, a lot of a lot of internal physical issues and um, you know and mentally really wasn't a- allowed to develop all the way. But Josh had an infectious personality, and Josh had a spirit that just absolutely would not quit. And he he made an indelible impact on the. He was at the gate every Tuesday, and he made an indelible impact on the lives of, of the guys who were there. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you, you can't really think about Josh uh, without, without smiling. And uh, I, I can remember him. I, you know, I can hear him even now. You know, hey, Ronnie. Oh, hey, 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 Ronnie, you know, you, you know something. And, and, I, and I go, well, yeah, Josh, what, what is Wait, well, You know something. Uh, well, Ron, we need to pray for Robert. We need to pray for Robert. He's 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 away from the Lord. We we need to pray for him. Uh, well, okay, Josh, is that the, is that the one that was going to take you to Hooters? Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, he was. But I'm I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm a man of God, and and I'm not going to go. And. Uh, you know, let's let's pray for let's pray for Robert. And we did, and Robert did come back to the Lord. Big time. You know? And 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 I was talking about I was talking about him in the early service and 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 afterwards I had three or four people stop me. Let me tell you my Josh story. Let me I think my favorite one was one time he stopped stopped uh, in Barbie's office and Barbie, I, I need to confess. And uh, she said, okay, what, what do you need to confess, Josh? Well, I, I've got an addiction, Barbie. I'm, 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 addicted, I'm addicted to country music. And, and I've, been trying to, I've been trying to get over it, and I thought I had it licked. And somebody gave me an iTunes card. And, you know, <laughs> the heart, the heart of that man. And, and a week or two after, after he passed, I remember at the gate, uh, we just kind of went around, and everybody just shared Josh. Everybody just shared Josh. And all these grown men were just weeping. The impact this, this guy had had on his, their lives. You know, this five-foot-tall guy who, you know, had been abused but had this great attitude. We, we were having 15 to 20 come to the group then. And, uh, you know, now we, we normally have a, a core of probably eight or ten that show up. And I don't think anybody left because they went, well, Josh isn't here anymore, I'm, you know. But Josh wasn't there anymore. And he brought so much when he was there that it just attracted people. It just drew them. 
you get involved with a small group and you're going to encounter, uh, you're going to meet people who will inspire you. You're going to meet people who will challenge you, maybe in quite a few different ways. You'll meet people who will stretch you. You'll meet people who will comfort you. But you will never meet anyone that you don't need. Would you stand with me? Will those who are going to uh, pray with people, minister with people, come forward. And uh, if you're here and you need prayer, these brothers and sisters will be down here uh, to pray with you. And uh, help bear your burdens. Uh, increase your joys. Uh, help you come before the throne of God. If you... Uh, if you don't need to come, just worship with us. Worship with us for a little while and let's uh, create an atmosphere for those who do.